0: I want to thank you for coming out this morning and uh, honoring this event. As uh, the senior pastor here, I want to just tell you that this does not count for tomorrow morning. (laughs) This morning, I want to ask two questions and then briefly answer them. The first question is What are we doing here? Why are we here this morning? What's this event about? And the second question is How can a priest succeed? What does success look like for someone who is set aside to be a priest in God's church? Well, to the first question, what are we here for? What are we doing this morning? We are participating in a two millennium old practice. 2,000 years people have been set aside for ministry in God's church. And I want to take a look at something that the Apostle Paul says to a young bishop named Titus in one of the pastoral epistles. He says this to Titus this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appointed elders in every town as I directed you. He told this young bishop to appoint elders in every town to put into order the things that remained unordered. And that word for elders is the Greek word presbyteros, from which we get presbyter, from which a denomination is named the Presbyterian. Governance by elders is another way to say it. And I want to clarify that when we refer to Dan as a priest, we are not suggesting the old covenant kind of priest that would sacrifice things for blood atonement, but rather a presbyter, one who's a minister of the gospel, an elder in the church, and if there is a sacrifice to be made, as the liturgy says, it's a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and then a proclamation of the once for all sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us. But as languages often do, it morphed from presbyter into priest, and so it sometimes is confusing. But this morning, we are setting aside Dan as an elder, a presbyter, or a priest in God's church. This requires certain qualifications. One is about character. The Apostle Paul goes on to speak to Titus about character of those that would be set aside. It's not so much about skill or ability. The one skill that is mentioned is the ability to teach, but it's far more about the character, the moral character of the person being set aside. The other important thing besides character is calling. We just heard in the gospel that the Lord tells us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So laborers go out because they are sent by the Lord in response to the prayers of the church. Dan is one of those. The Lord has called him, and he is here because God has called him into this ministry. So he does have the character, as we've already verified, and he has the call upon his life. So what we are doing is we are recognizing what God has already done. So God has set Dan aside for ministry, and we, the church, now are coming around and recognizing that, and, and in this ceremony, setting him aside. We are also designating him for a certain role and certain tasks, and I'll address that in the answer to my second question. However, there are some things about that, that the tasks that are helpful for us to keep in mind. The uh, very famous uh, Dr. Um, M.L. Martin Lloyd-Jones said in his systematic theology, the role of a presbyter is to preach the gospel, administer the sacraments, and order the people. That's the work priests are given. Preach the gospel, administer the sacraments, and bring order to the people of God. Now, that's a pretty tough call right there. So, the second, well, the first answer is we recognize his calling and character and we are designating him as a priest. Now, the second question how can a priest succeed in this? Think about how big the task is. When I was first ordained in 2008, a member of this church came up to me and said, I know you don't like to be called by a title. I know you'd rather just that people would call you Mike, which is, by the way, still the case. And this person said, But I don't care, I'm going to call you Father Mike. Because I have such a high regard for the office that you hold, and continues to call me Father Mike, as do several others. Now, I'm okay with that, but it's sort of like in the military you salute the uniform, even if you don't necessarily respect the officer wearing the uniform. The office is a weighty office, it's an important office, and so there are titles that come with it, and there are a number of other things that come with it, and it's a challenge. Some of the things that are challenges are weighty for us who are priests, and you will feel this weight very quickly, Dan, the weight of people's expectations. They will want to put you on a pedestal that is so high that you can't reach it. They will expect that your prayers are more powerful or effective than their own, even though God in His grace has apportioned certain people in the church with gifts of intercession and healing and other things, and those particular people might have a more powerful prayer life than you do in those areas. And yet, as a priest, your prayers are more powerful, you will be told. Transference, people who have issues with their own earthly parents, especially their earthly father, or God himself, will look at you and will transfer that onto you, and you will suddenly find yourself being attacked and not know why. And it's a strange thing when it happens. The world's brokenness is weighty. We look at decisions made in our country and around the world. We look at the choices people make. We look at the brokenness and the hurt, and it's, it's a burden. It's a yoke. It's weighty. You look at your own sin, and as David said, my sin is ever before me, and we're constantly as priests aware that we are not perfect, and that is a weight that we carry. And then, of course, we have an enemy, and Satan prowling around like a lion, looking to devour his schemes. He never gives up on those. And now we have—we who are priests have a target on our back. If I'm the enemy, I'm going to try and take out the leaders. So we get an extra target there. That's a lot. And I could keep naming more. And I don't think you need to hear any (laughs) more. Now, in that gospel passage, when Jesus sent those 70 or 72 out to the towns ahead of him, he intentionally stripped away a number of things. They didn't have money. They didn't have extra clothing. They, they went with his power, and they learned something there. Now, later, of course, he sent people out and said, do take some supplies for the road. But as he was training them, he peeled those things that they might be tempted to lean on away and sent them out in just in his strength. A very wise professor of mine in seminary said this after reflecting on all the difficulties of ministry. They said, you do actually have some things, some tools to use you have the gospel, which, as Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe, both the Jew and the Gentile. You have the sacraments, the symbols, and the grace and mystery that is contained in baptism and Holy Eucharist. That's, those are tools that you have. You have your prayers, which a praying priest is an effective priest. It's a powerful thing. There is power in our prayer. And you have your call, which is really also your story, your testimony. And so God has spoken to you and He has shown you over a season that He is with you and calling you. And when it gets weighty, you'll remember that call, that God has called you to this. So you have those four things. You have the gospel, you have the sacraments, you have your prayers, and you have your call. And it doesn't seem like much, but it's more than enough. And people have used those things for 2,000 years and the church as big as it has ever been in the world. And the statistics suggest that as many as 20% of the people in the world could be Christians. That's a lot of people. Now, in Luke 10, he sends them out. And I want to close with this point. He sends them out and gives them the task of healing the sick and preaching the gospel and casting out demons. And they come back rejoicing that the demons submitted in, in his name. They're so excited about this. And you might think Jesus would say, that's amazing. I'm going to get so much work out of you guys. You're really good at your job. But you know what he says? He says, don't rejoice that demons submit in my, to, to you in my name. Don't rejoice that I saw Satan fall like lightning. He says, rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of heaven. And then he goes on to rejoice that God in his sovereignty has chosen to reveal his son to them. And that is what he cares about. He cares more about them than about the work that they do for him. This idea of a yoke around our neck and the weight of ministry, you will feel it. You will feel it not just physically as this different stole goes around your neck. You will feel it spiritually. And I want to give you a picture which Jesus gives. And as the bishop puts the stole on you, he'll say, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But there will be times in your ministry when it won't feel that way. And here's the image. A yoke is a wooden piece that goes across the shoulder of an ox in pairs. And they pull a plow. And what Jesus says is, This is my yoke, and I'm putting it around your neck and my neck. And what will happen is, if it gets heavy and is not easy and light, like Jesus says, it's probably because you've slipped it off of his shoulders, and you now are getting crushed under the weight of it. And so when that happens, you go back to him. That's the way that a priest succeeds in this ministry, is he succeeds in the power in the relationship with Jesus, with Jesus' yoke on Jesus' neck and you with your part on your neck. When we keep that in balance, then truly, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He cares way more about you than he does about your ministry or your work. Someone else said to me, the first five years of a priest's ministry are really about what the Lord is going to do in the life of that priest— And I am now seven-plus years into it, and I'm finding that it's still true that he's doing more work in me than he's doing through me. And I'm starting to suspect that's never gonna change, (laughs) that he is gonna continue to work on my character. And I thank God for that. It's a reminder that he loves me. He's not just trying to squeeze ministry out of me to use me up, and then I get burned out and tossed aside, but rather, he loves you, and he cares for you, and he will be with you. And so, lean on him. And it will be a yoke that is bur- a burden that is light and a yoke that is easy. Now, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.